Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So coming up in a few minutes, I get a chance to do something really fun. A really, really cool announcement that I was kind of, kind of holding off on making. I get a chance to make here in a moment. Something I'm really proud of. We'll tell you more about that here in just a little bit. Prior to that, let me begin today's show this way. A lot of people sometimes ask, and I think this is a fair question, you know, why is it, B.A., that you don't like Lane Kiven very much? And when I say don't like, I'm not talking about like, you know, just visceral, deep, intense hatred. I don't feel that way necessarily about anybody, I don't think, except for those lousy, stinking gators, of course. But beyond that, I don't feel a lot of intense hatred, hopefully, for anybody. But Lane Kiven is one of my least favorite figures in the SEC. And we do this show, very opinionated show, from sort of the perspective of a fan. So we just sort of let our you know takes kind of fly from time to time. And I don't mind telling you that Kiffin's one of the guys in the SEC I sort of enjoy rooting against. Uh, one of those guys that I'm a little skeptical of from time to time. And it's not always easy for me necessarily to put my finger on exactly why it is that I feel that way. But this week, I do think you have a little bit of a reminder of exactly what it is about Kiffin that's not exactly my cup of tea. I believe that Kiffin is a little bit of a meaty creation. If you look at the overall level of accomplishment for Kiffin, it's actually a pretty short list. This is not a distinguished resume of major accomplishments. What this is is a figure that's treated as a very interesting coach, a very media accessible coach. And I think, look, one of the best strategies you can ever have is is as a newsmaker, if you choose to make yourself very accessible to the media, you generally can expect some favorable coverage in return for your accessibility. And I believe that Lane Kiffin has sort of done that. He is more than happy to be used as a source by ESPN. You know, a story about him, he's just readily available. You know, ESPN calls, Kiffin pick up, picks up the phone, ready with a quote, ready to be interesting. And because of that, I do believe that Kiffin's gotten favorable coverage over the years. And so therefore, that degree to which he's been propped up, I sort of find distasteful. That's kind of my reason for not liking Lane Kiffin very much, at least one of the reasons which I don't really love Kiffin and sort of like the idea of Georgia beating Ole Miss on Saturday. But the flip side of this, the byproduct is, is that because Kiffin is very accessible to the media, because he does sometimes enjoy kind of playing the role of you know, uh, volatile quote, interesting guy. There's always the chance that prior to a game like this, in which we just kind of view this stuff as fun, that Kiffin might say something, do something to sort of stir the pot here a little bit and get you excited, more excited perhaps, about Georgia's game against Ole Miss on Saturday. And so in a week like this, you know, we're kind of waiting on pins and needles here for a little bit in the hopes that uh, Kiffin kind of sort of brings that to the uh, table. Well, I think we have now gotten about as close to this as we're going to get for this particular week. Lane Kiffin did speak to ESPN this week. Chris Lowe, sort of his reporter go-to guy that when he wants to you know, be out there in the public, he goes to Lowe, or when Lowe needs to write a story for ESPN.com, he knows that Kiffin is easy fodder, will obviously pick up the phone when he calls. This has been done over and over and over again. And so the subject of this week's game for Georgia against Ole Miss comes up, and Lane Kiffin is working very hard here to establish a narrative about what this game is going to be what it means for Ole Miss and what it means for Georgia now I think that Kiffin gets caught perhaps trying a little too hard on this but nonetheless this is probably as close as we're going to get this week to something interesting from Lane Kiffin so let me give you a couple of quotes here from this ESPN.com story about what Kiffin believes is a relaxed atmosphere around his Ole Miss team and a lot of tension and pressure around UGA that's the theme here Kiffin pushing the notion that Georgia's facing a ton of pressure in this game on Saturday and the Ole Miss Rebels they go on the road despite the fact they've only lost one time despite the fact they're ranked in the top 10 they get to just be really really relaxed that's the message and the narrative that Lane Kiffin's trying to push here let me give you the first of these quotes Chris Lowe ESPN.com with Lane Kiffin so this is Kiffin talking about his own team saying I think you got to watch that you don't give off a tight nervous vibe to your team as I look back at the two road trips like this that we've taken with elite teams, he's talking about Alabama, the players could feel me being uptight, and we played that way. And then Lane Kiffin drops this line. I don't feel that way this week. Now, there's a way of sort of taking that from Kiffin to, to maybe believe that Kiffin thinks that his team right now is more ready 
to play against Georgia on the road than it is perhaps the last two times he's gone to Tuscaloosa 2023 obviously this year back in 2021 there as well the Kiffin thought he was nervous and uptight for those games but he's more relaxed now playing against Georgia now I think that's uh really kind of interesting because you know, we make our official predictions for these games. We have a show on Friday called Go With The Flow. It's presented by R.S. Andrews, the same organization that does our uh, R.S. Andrews cool down at the end of each and every Dog Nation Daily. And in my official prediction for Georgia and Ole Miss, which will air on Friday, I also referenced the four times in the past that Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss teams have played against Alabama. And to me, once again, Kiffin's sort of a media creation, a guy who's gotten a lot of mileage out of a small list of actual tangible accomplishments. One of the things that people always seem to remember about Kiffin is the sort of back and forth battle that could have gone either way with Alabama in 2020, a game played in Oxford, uh, in which it was sort of back and forth. There were a lot of points scored on all sides uh, that it was one of those games that Ole Miss for a while looked like it might win because Alabama was playing so badly defensively. But here's the thing is that game's actually a long time ago now right we've had three games between Alabama and Ole Miss since then and while you know know, Ole Miss did cover the spread in one of those games the truth is all of those games have been decided by like double digit points two touchdowns really the only time that Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin has played close with Alabama at all the team that Kiffin just references there was that weird pandemic game in 2020 and everything else for the most part has been easy if not dominant Alabama wins now Kiffin right there says well the reason that's true is because I was so tense and I was so uptight you know I was so I was so nervous but I'm not nervous anymore here's the thing though let's go back to 2021 for a moment was Lane Kiffin tense and uptight and nervous for that game on the road at Alabama he says he is now but that's not what he was saying back then I, I pulled this audio from way back then in 2021 on that game on CBS you know Kiffin right before the game began the the sideline reporters trying to ask Kiffin about all the stuff uh you know what's going to happen during the game and Kiffin had a big line ready big quote ready he wanted everybody to know that that he was ready to go out there and score a bunch of points and win this game on that particular day do you remember the big line from him get your popcorn ready that's what Kiffin said here's a reminder from CBS back in 2021 you had a page of notes from your time here to reference back as to what bothers a Nick Saban coach team what's on the back side of that piece of paper to tell you about today well let's hope we we didn't run out of pages so here we go get your popcorn ready what's the big thing (laughs) whoa so Kiffin now says, oh, listen, I was tense and nervous before that game against Alabama in 2021, but now I'm not. Now I'm ready. But if you actually go back and relive the actual history there in 2021, he was dropping the get your popcorn ready before the game. And there's a certain extent to which these quotes sort of feel like his latest get your popcorn ready moment of, hey, I'm not nervous anymore. I'm not, I'm not, what is it? It's, we're coming up on Home Alone season. Everybody watched the movie. What is it that the kid says? I'm not scared anymore. That's, that's what seems like it's Lane Kiffin kind of saying right now. But he wasn't done talking about this game and sort of pushing the narrative that, that Ole Miss got nothing to worry about, but it's Georgia instead who's going to be feeling the pressure on Saturday. Here's more from Lane Kiffin on ESPN.com on this. He says, uh, Georgia feeling pressure. I say that because this game has a different feel. Georgia's the number one team in the country in the AP poll. They haven't lost a home game in four years. We're just little old Ole Miss. We're double-digit underdogs going there at night. I mean, what is there to lose? If everyone expects you to lose and all the analytics and stats say you're supposed to lose, then there's nothing to lose. As I said, I have a much different feeling, and it's a much different thing this time around, and I'm telling these guys compared to the Alabama game. In other words, I know I said we were ready for Alabama, but we really weren't. But now we really are ready for Georgia because Georgia's got all this pressure and we got nothing to lose. We're double-digit underdogs. Uh, you know, that's you know, it's, it's just all a completely different feel around all of this. And then to kind of push that narrative even more, Kiffin sort of doubled down about the actual pressure that Georgia's facing. Uh, Chris Lowe writes at ESPN.com, the pressure, Kiffin said, is on Georgia here in this game, which is chasing history and trying to win three straight straight national titles once again the quote from kiffin i've been on the other side of these streaks kiffin said when you're on one of these streaks the pressure is on you because you've got to keep those streaks going and if you don't win by this many everybody's like well you're not really that good that's what kiffin said kind of puts the pressure on the georgia side for this game on saturday now to me and i'm sure to you there as well 
This is all just obvious gamesmanship. Uh, perhaps Kiffin does have confidence in his team. That's why he's trying to project the relaxed atmosphere. Or perhaps he's trying to create this notion that somehow Georgia's the one that's going to play tense and nervous uh, because of obviously what it does have at stake. But for what it's worth, you know, Kirby Smart's not buying any of that necessarily. The idea that this game means any more than anything else that's happened for Georgia this year because of the winning streak at home or the winning streak overall, or because it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, Kirby Smart and Lane Kiffing battling head to head. He pushes back against that while also kind of providing his own level of gamesmanship of don't let Lane tell you that his team doesn't have anything to play for on Saturday. In fact, this is what Kirby Smart said about all of that here earlier this week. We're not going build it up to be something that's not. I mean, every win in the SEC is critical. It's, it's critical for them. You know, they're in a hunt. They're in a hunt for the, for the West. They're in a hunt for playoffs. They're in uh, a hunt for all the goals and aspirations they have. So uh, that's, it's not about he and I. It's really about the playoffs and <laughs> the guys that go on the field and make plays. Let me kind of put a different spin on this here just for a moment. When Lane Kiffin says that George is under pressure, I think there's a way in which perhaps that sort of seems like it's true, but I actually think the actual truth is probably best said a different way. What Georgia really has on Saturday are stakes. Now, as Kirby Smart says, there's some stakes in play for Ole Miss here, too. They're still faintly alive in the SEC West or something like that. Uh, That's perhaps true. But for Georgia, the stakes are much clearer. In fact, this arguably is the only game that Georgia's played so far this season that has any true stakes to it. Now, it's college football. It's a shorter regular season. It's the sport where the regular season sort of matters week to week more than the other sports. We obviously understand all of that. You can't easily lose and still achieve your end-of-season goals. But in terms of a direct line towards something, Saturday, especially assuming that Tennessee wins against uh, Missouri, which is perhaps an assumption, but but there's the possibility here that Georgia has some real stakes in play in Saturday night's game. Now, if Tennessee loses, then that what I'm saying now gets taken away, of course. But but perhaps this is the game that Georgia plays that prevents it from playing what might be an elimination game until December. And obviously, the strategy here is to prolong your elimination game as long as you possibly can. And that's what Saturday is for Georgia. If Tennessee wins, then Georgia can go out and beat Ole Miss and for the final time in the history of the SEC own the East in this last year of divisional play in the league. That's some real obvious stakes, not pressure necessarily, but there is something to be gained by winning. And so what I think you get from that, much against the wishes of Lane Kiffin, is not a tense, nervous version of Georgia because how long can we preserve this winning streak? Does anything about Georgia make it look like that's the way they think about any of this stuff? I would suggest not. What you actually have is perhaps a more focused version of Georgia because there's an obvious thing to be gained by going out and getting another win. It's got nothing to do with Lane Kiffin's personality, and frankly, it doesn't have anything to do with the team on the other sideline, Ole Miss. They just happen to be the one in the way of Georgia punching another ticket for Atlanta in the SEC championship and keeping itself alive right now in what is a very crowded field for the college football playoff and eventually another national championship so kind of wrap all this up here lane kiffin tries to spin a yarn and push a narrative that we're relaxed we're comfortable we may not have been that way against alabama but now we're ready for this big game on the road more so than we've been in the past georgia they're under pressure they got a long winning streak they don't lose at home they got everybody asking all these questions about them that's going to make them tense or nervous well guess what The next time Georgia plays a game in which it's tense and nervous will be the first. This is a team that's been through all kinds of battles in every kind of manner uh, imaginable, and the same sort of relaxed tone that Georgia's taken in games like that, my guess is they take on Saturday night there as well. This is as close as we're going to get from Lane Kiffin sort of trying to stir the pot this week. I don't think it succeeds in achieving what he hopes that it does, and if he is truly hoping to get a tense, nervous Georgia playing it less than its best on Saturday – I think he's going to be sorely disappointed come Saturday night. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp. We are happy to have you with us. We're live on video 10 a.m. across all video platforms. We start even earlier than that, 945, first and 15, dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app. Of course, we're on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref and podcasts wherever you find them, Apple, Spotify, uh, worldfamousdognation.com. So many different ways for you to catch up with our program 
We're just glad you choose one of them and choose to be a part of what we're doing here right now. And so thankful for great sponsors who make it all possible, like our friends today from Meriwether and Tharp. And as we've been telling you for the last couple of weeks, Meriwether and Tharp's got a brand new website they're rolling out here over the course of the last couple of weeks that exists for a very important reason. Now, when you think about Meriwether and Tharp, I want you to think about them as your source for Georgia divorce with a great new website to go along with that. How about georgiadivorceteam.com? That's georgiadivorceteam.com. Now, why does that website matter when it comes to Meriwether and Tharp? That's because for a long time, Meriwether and Tharp's obviously been uh, a great resource for those dealing with the divorce process here in the Atlanta area. But now they've got brand new offices opening in the Savannah area, coming soon to the Athens area. There's some really, really exciting new offices opening up outside of Atlanta that are going to be able to help folks all across the state of Georgia in what might be one of the most challenging times that you'll face in your entire life. And I love the heart for service that our friends at Meriwether and Tharp have, because if you find yourself in that tough situation, you just want to get through it and you just want the most successful outcome you can possibly get. And you kind of want to manage the emotions, all, all of it. And there's also a need to kind of manage the finances around a lot of that, too. That's why Meriwether and Tharp is very cost conscious when it comes to their assistance for you in the divorce process, understanding that different people have either different objectives, you know, different expectations, you know, perhaps a sort of a different desire to engage on something like this. And so they offer almost like a menu that you'd go like a restaurant, something like that. They offer a menu and an array of options that perhaps might be uh, good for you. They've got the uh, DIY option that can be done for as low as $99. They've got the Meriwether and Tharp, the M&T assisted program uh, that can be up to uh, $1,749, as low as $1,749. And I think what might be one of the most fun or interesting, maybe a better word, one of the most interesting options that's out there right now in terms of how you can engage with Meriwether and Tharp and have some real cost assurance about how this is going to work out for you. It's the uh, model M&T level of service that they offer, which gives you a couple of options of either paying kind of a flat fee or perhaps engaging with uh, Meriwether and Tharp through like a subscription service here to kind of take care of you in this time of need to walk with you through this process and really get you towards a satisfactory outcome. They've also got traditional coverage there as well, traditional representation. If you feel like your situation might be complicated and perhaps you would just sort of benefit from the kind of traditional level of service, they've got that for you there as well too. So please find them online, georgiadivorceteam.com for more on that. That's georgiadivorceteam.com. The one thing that has not changed after all these years, it remains true, Meriwether and Tharp is your source for George Divorce and glad to have them as a part of our program here today. All right, we got a lot to get to coming up. Two great guests. It's uh, Jake Fromm here in a moment. Really excited about that. Uh, that's going to be a great time. Uh, the former Georgia quarterback, by the way, the relationship between Kirby and Lane Kiffin. Jake's got some good stuff for you on that here a little bit later on, including his own relationship with Lane Kiffin. Uh, obviously, Jake at one point in time was an Alabama commit before eventually arriving at the University of Georgia a long time ago, but that is true. Uh, and of course, Terrence Edwards here coming up in a couple of minutes too. Prior to that, though, and before we go around the doghouse, let me take some time to make a really fun announcement about tomorrow's show. I'm really blown away that we get to do this. It's, it's Sometimes it's crazy to think about, what was that Lane Kiffin said a moment ago? We're a little old Miss. Sometimes it's hard for me to believe that my little old show that started off as a podcast in my closet, it's amazing to think sometimes the stuff that we've kind of been able to do over the course of the last few years, and perhaps one of the coolest things we've ever done going to take place tomorrow. Our friends at Dr. Pepper are helping us with this. I'm really excited about this. The national championship trophy, the college football playoff national championship trophy is going to be in our studio to begin tomorrow's show. Can you believe that? Is that an amazing? Uh, I mean, I said before, I started off doing this show in a closet in my house, and all of a sudden now we've got the college football playoff national championship trophy on our desk in our studio to kind of give you an idea of what George is playing for as it seeks to go for three and 23. That is uh, coming up for us tomorrow. And I tell you all the time that one of my favorite things is just sort of the deep relationship I'm able to develop with a lot of our sponsors. Uh, so many folks who are just good people, and I love telling y'all about them because I just I really do believe in what they do. And obviously, a lot of you know I'm a big fan of Dr. Pepper, and you know Dr. Pepper's so connected to college football. So you know, like two, and this sounds corny, but it's true. Like two of my great loves in life are college football and Dr. Pepper. And uh, so tomorrow to be able with our friends at Dr. Pepper have the trophy here. The idea it's the same trophy that Kirby Smart's going to be wrapping his arms around. We hope at the end of the season that Georgia players are chasing down again here this year. The idea that's going to be in our studio tomorrow. I just am thrilled by that. So 
If you don't normally watch on video, perhaps you'll pop on video a little bit tomorrow to get a chance to see it. And I wanted you, if you plan on tuning in, to know that that's what we get a chance to do. I wanted to also take this time to personally thank Dr. Pepper for allowing us to have this here tomorrow and just really enjoying that moment. Just a really cool thing for me and something that at the risk of coming across as immodest, I wanted to sort of brag about here for a moment because I'm really, really excited about doing all of that. Really, really uh, looking forward to the College Football Playoff National Championship Trophy, courtesy of Dr. Pepper, on our show tomorrow. All right, for now, though, let's get ready to go around the doghouse presented today by our friends at ServePro. And something kind of interesting here this week. So y'all know who Phil Steele is? Uh, Phil Steele, longtime college ball writer, done the magazine for a million years. I love preseason magazines. To be honest, the Phil Steele magazine's never quite been my cup of tea quite as much. It's a little bit hard to read, <laughs> just to be completely frank here. Um, but Phil Steele's like a sort of a you know, ubiquitous figure when it comes to college football. And one of the things that Phil Steele does, and I do think this is kind of a valuable resource. We haven't checked in on this in a little while. thought it might be appropriate to check in on this today is he sort of uh, put, publishes and puts out his Vegas power ratings. In other words, when you think about how point spreads are established and things like that, the the real backbone for any kind of spread data is on the basis of a power rating. Teams are usually kind of rated on 10 categories, you know, offensive-related stuff, defense-related stuff, coaching-related stuff. You know, different people have different categories for their power rating. But when you construct the power rating based on a number of criteria, now you have a comparative metric to use with teams, and that's where you get your point spreads from. That's how te- people do that. Perhaps you knew that. Perhaps you didn't. And uh, the Vegas power ratings are always kind of interesting because of the ways in which they differ from AP coaches poll and the college football playoff top 25 there as well. And perhaps you may be somewhat surprised to find out that currently Georgia is not number one in the Las Vegas rankings, at least according to Phil Steele. Let me show you this on uh, Twitter here for a moment, what Phil Steele put out here of the power ratings uh, that he's tabulated after talking to folks there uh, in Las Vegas, that Georgia actually only comes in at number two on this. Michigan has signed stole their way to number one. Uh, the overall numbers here, about two points different. So just broadly speaking, on a neutral field, you might expect Michigan to be a two-point favorite on Georgia, at least based on where things stand right now. Obviously, there's room to change. But then beyond that, not only is Georgia a two-point dog in comparison to Michigan, but they're only slightly favored right now over the likes of Oregon, Ohio State, who the CFP has at number one. Vegas apparently only has it number four. And then you've got you know a little bit of a gap down there below between, like, say, a Florida State and an Alabama. So here's what I think is interesting about this. We're going to get more into the possible showdown for Georgia with Alabama a little bit later on. I think there's been an attempt this week to sort of build Alabama up after beating LSU. But at least according to this, there's still a, you know, you know, about a field goal or perhaps slightly more gap between Georgia and Alabama, a little bit of a gap between Georgia and Florida State, but not much of a gap at all between, like, say, Georgia and Oregon and Georgia and Ohio State, and actually a little bit of a gap in favor of Michigan uh, when it comes to comparison between the Bulldogs and the Wolverines there. So that kind of plays against what the overall prevailing narrative has been in college football here for much of this season. And it sort of speaks to this, you know, people kind of have a tendency to sort of want to ah oh, georgia always seven and five they believe they're underdogs nobody believes in georgia but once again this is an example of is that not all of the supposed doubt about uga has necessarily been just sort of you know invented out of whole cloth that some of it does exist and you know this year perhaps even a little bit of a different type thing whereas last year some of the sort of you know talking heads on tv were sort of pushing a certain narrative about uga in this particular case even those who are putting their money where their mouth is at least currently expressing a little bit of a skepticism about georgia still the second best team in the country by perception when it comes to the point spread line makers but not number one overall right now which i think sort of speaks to okay well if we take this seriously if we value this opinion here for a moment then what does georgia need to do moving forward to kind of I don't know, reestablish itself as the best team or when it starts doing battle with the likes of Oregon, Ohio State, which Vegas says would be a close game for Georgia, almost an even game or a game against Michigan where all of a sudden what we used to joke about in the offseason of the mighty Michigan. Well, apparently Vegas is sort of buying into some of that kind of stuff. Perhaps the amoral folks out there in Sin City not worried too much about Connor Stallions or whatever else. Uh, They just sort of perceive right now Michigan to be a better team than Georgia. We'll find out some of that when Michigan hosts Penn State or when it travels to, uh, uh, you know, Mount Nittany and uh, Happy Valley on Saturday. But either way, you know, right now there is perhaps a little bit of 
you know, maybe skepticism about Georgia kind of matched up evenly with the Oregon's, the Ohio State's, uh, a small underdog there against Michigan. So it sort of speaks to what Georgia still can do the rest of the season to either change that perception or just sort of flat out win these games when they're played. And this is where I think you circle a guy like Carson Beck. I think that Carson Beck is going to be really important for Georgia for the remainder of this season. Let's just take the teams we just mentioned. You know, uh, Alabama in an SEC championship. You know, Jalen Milrow is a guy who's been much maligned, but he's gotten more praise as of late. If Georgia faces Alabama in December in the SEC championship, that's a situation where Carson Beck has to. We expect he would be, but he's got to be just better head to head than what Jalen Milrow is. Very different players, of course, but that's a one on one battle, so to speak that if you're Carson Beck you've got to win same thing for a guy like Bo Nix who Georgia's actually seen a lot over the years you know Nix would become one of the rare players to actually play the same guy five times if he were to play against Georgia here this year Nix had a good year but he struggled against Georgia in the past that's a game if it was played where Carson Beck would have to be the better of those two quarterbacks in there a little easier to imagine a guy like you know Beck going out there and you know, certainly playing better than what Kyle McCord has for Ohio State this year. He's actually not had that good of a year. And then obviously another quarterback who's kind of gotten some of that same level of praise that Beck has for the most part gotten is a guy like J.J. McCarthy. And that's where it could get very interesting. Michigan and Georgia, two teams who are sort of built somewhat similarly. Lines of scrimmage, defense, physicality. That's what Michigan wants to be. It famously has had these Michigan periods during its practices leading up to the start of the year. It could come down to with two teams who are built similarly, with two teams who you know kind of want to go about it the same way. In the battle between quarterbacks, J.J. McCarthy and Carson Beck, who is the guy that actually emerges and plays the best in that particular moment, in that particular game? I think that Beck's going to have a very big spotlight on him the rest of the way, and based on the way that he's played thus far this season – you sort of get the impression that he is ready for that moment. You know, earlier this week, Kirby Smart talked about the growth that Beck has undergone as the season has progressed and what he still wants to see from him moving forward. These are important words given just how competitive the national championship race appears to be right now. Uh, here's Kirby Smart on that. His leadership uh, continue to improve and, 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 and exert his confidence and uh put his touch on his personality with with those guys is something I mean he's he's into all the ball stuff I mean he, he could be cleaner on some things in the pocket uh, he could be cleaner on some protection things but I mean, they're, they're, he's gonna make mistakes because we put him in a position to make you know, three to four decisions every play so it's not gonna be perfect but I can accept that I just I want him to continue to grow as a leader and uh, commanding uh, of the offense so obviously Carson Beck, as Kirby talks about his growth and continued development the rest of the season, is going to be a very important player. And to wrap all this up, don't take any of this as, a, oh, you know, Vegas doubts Georgia. That's not necessarily the point of all this. The point is, is the people who put their money where their mouth is, who have financial stakes attached to the opinions they express. Right now, they see the landscape for the national championship is very competitive with at least one team perhaps better than Georgia and a couple of other teams right there on the same plane as Georgia here right now. Whether it turns out to be true or not, I would take it very seriously for right now that the chase for this year's title just feels a little bit different than last year's did where a couple of teams perhaps are a little bit more capable of standing on even footing with UGA, which means the dogs will have to be at their best here moving forward. And that is around the doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Serve Pro. And of course, Georgia gets one more chance to protect its home turf there on Saturday when it comes to your own home turf, whether it's the home you live in, the commercial property that you house your business in, or perhaps it's uh, rent producing income property that you might own. When there's some sort of damage or some sort of cleanup needed on that property, it's a very important thing for you. In many cases, your livelihood kind of depends on it. So that's where our friends at ServePro come in. And what their folks are, which I love this phrase, they are restoration specialists. That means if you've got fire damage or if you've had water intrusion, something that's left a big old mess that needs to be cleaned up, the folks at ServPro have dedicated their lives doing that for you. In fact, each and every ServPro franchise is independently owned and operated. What that means is, is you've got someone who has just as much of a vested interest in the outcome as you do. Their livelihood depends on uh, it all working out the same way yours perhaps does for the uh, property that you own there. So trust their restoration spe specialist to do the cleanup for you and get it all put back together like it never even happened. That's what Serve Pro is all about. So please find them online at servepro.com. That's S-E-R-V, servepro.com for more on that today. 
All right, busy show for us rolls on. It's Jake Fromm before we're done. Really good stuff for Jake on Lane Kiffin and the game coming up against Ole Miss. But for now, someone who certainly understands all that's at stake for Georgia there on Saturday. Uh, let's talk to him here right now. It's our great friend Terrence Edwards here today on Dog Nation Daily presented by Merriweather and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We will say hello to Terrence Edwards. One of my favorite times of the week is getting a chance to talk to uh, Terrence here on our program. We're a little late getting to him as well, so I apologize to him for that. And Terrence, I want to begin with this, if you don't mind. You know, on Saturday, Georgia has a chance to do, not a guarantee that it will, but a chance to do something for the last time that, you know, a good number of years ago you did for the very first time in program history, and that's celebrate winning the SEC East. There's a whole generation of folks who are listening to us right now that I don't think they probably realize how big of a deal that was for you guys in 2002 when you went to Auburn. You won that game. It's a thrilling win and kind of a historic moment because of the last, you know, second touchdown and whatnot. But just the actual tangible result of that, winning a division for the very first time, as someone who was a huge Georgia fan during that time, I can tell you how much that meant to me personally and how much it really meant to every Georgia fan. As a guy who was a part of the very first division win, what do you think about the end of this? Now, there'll still be an SEC championship. You'll still qualify for the SEC championship game. You just won't do it by winning the SEC East anymore. What do you think about Saturday being an end to the era as, as, as far as all that's concerned? Well, it's definitely an end of an era. Uh, I think, like you said, when we was able to win the East in 2002, it's just kind of like we felt like we just lift the top off the, the stadium, like we just lift the top off the whole Georgia nation um, because we haven't done it in such a long time, I think 20 years at the time. And now it's kind of been a kind of regular theme that we kind of take this for granted. And it's not as easy as people think. Um, it, it's definitely hard. The SEC East uh, definitely have, you know, their ups and downs so forth, um, especially when I played Tennessee was still Tennessee, Florida was definitely still Florida. Um, so you, you it, it, it's hard to do. And for us to be able to do it year in and year out, it's something that I don't take for granted. Yeah, I think that's a great way to say that because, I mean, like when you guys did that at Auburn in 2002, it was the biggest moment this program had had to celebrate and, and, I mean, arguably 20 years. I mean, it had been a very long time since Georgia had accomplished anything as tangible as that. And you, got, of course, went on and won the SEC that year as well. And now we've sort of graduated to a point in which – I mean, I hope that Georgia does celebrate winning the, the East because I just think it's fun when they do. Last year, they kind of did on the field at Starkville, which I kind of liked. Uh, but it's one of those things now where this team has both achieved and aspires to achieve so much more than that, that it just shows the growth of the program now that the division and earning that spot in the SEC championship is just sort of one of the things this team hopes to do. It's amazing how much the program has grown, isn't it? I think so. I think though the, the goals that I think the uh, Georgia coaching staff still should aspire to is winning the East first. You yeah. can't get to the SEC, SEC championship without winning the East. So I don't want the Georgia faithful to poo-poo uh, winning the East. I, I hope they celebrate winning the East just as well as celebrating the SEC championship and winning the national championship because without the one, we can't get to the other. So winning the East is, is the first step of, of completing the goal, but that's the first goal that we have to complete. Uh, so we could continue to fight for the ultimate goal. Yeah, let me ask you this, because obviously that year in 2002, you would have played Georgia Tech with kind of no real stakes because you had already clinched the division. That obviously wasn't even a conference game. You know, this is one of those things where, and somebody asked me about this earlier, so if Tennessee loses the early game tomorrow on Saturday against Missouri, then Georgia will have clinched the division without playing. Or let's say that it beats Ole Miss on Saturday, then it's playing at Tennessee next week with, you know, no real stakes to to go out and achieve because it will have already, you know, you know, punched the ticket for Atlanta. And yet Georgia fans still want this team to kind of keep winning, things like that. You know, what do you think the mindset of a player is in a game that perhaps takes place after a division's already been achieved now we've seen georgia in this spot in the past but this is one of those things where the race the college football playoff right now is a little bit more competitive all of the power five conferences are seemingly still alive there's you know multiple teams chasing only four spots here right now from a mindset standpoint where do you expect georgia to be if they have no division to clinch when they play or perhaps next week at tennessee with all that already kind of sewn up 
you know, what do you think the mindset of Georgia will be? And do you expect it to change at all if they don't have anything specific that they're playing for? I don't think so. I think they have a lot to play for. I think the winning streak is something that this team wants to continue to to uh, continue to win. I think continue to put themselves in the best position uh, just in case. Uh, I don't think it will happen. Us losing in the SEC championship game, we still uh, could get the at-large bid and qualify for the college football playoffs. So I think there's a lot to continue to play for in pride. I think Coach Smart and company just has set a, a tradition of just being prideful football players and going out and, and representing yourself to the, your utmost abilities. So I don't think, you know, we can say that we're not playing for anything. Yes, we've completed one goal, but there's multiple goals within the season that we're trying to achieve. And I'm pretty sure going undefeated is probably a goal for a yeah. lot of the players. Continuing this winning streak is, is another goal for the, for these players. So, And it's Tennessee. I think Tennessee is, is a big enough rivalry. Not saying it's like a Florida or Georgia Tech or anything like that, but it's an East opponent, and they're the, they're the next opponent on this schedule and you got to go out and try to win i think that's the mindset that this program has right now i think that's really interesting uh saturday is also senior day what did your senior day mean to you you know i'm a very sentimental person so this kind of stuff always kind of hits me in the feels a little bit so to speak especially for a senior class like this for georgia where you've got so many accomplished players who are going to see their you know careers in Athens come to an end on Saturday with you know more games to play away from home obviously uh for the remainder of this year what was it like for you when you played between the hedges for the last time and you kind of reflected back on and your situation was somewhat unique in the fact that not only was it an end to your career but it's also sort of the end of the Edwards legacy at Georgia which obviously had predated you with your brother there as well how emotional for you personally was your own senior day reflecting on how fast it went. I can remember my first game um, versus Utah State, um, you know, catching 10 passes for 198 yards, two touchdowns. That was your first – wait, you did uh, 10 for 198 in your first game? Yeah. I didn't remember that. 196 in my in my very first game against Utah State. How about and then that? My very last game in, in uh, Sanford Stadium is being Georgia Tech 51-7. So my first and last game is probably two memorable games um, throughout my career at, at Sanford Stadium. Now, that's really fun stuff. Um, as a coach yourself now, what do you think of Lane Kiffin? You know, Kiffin's not my favorite guy necessarily. You know, clearly, uh, you know, you know, one thing that Lane's very good at is getting hired, right? He's gotten hired a million places. You know, I'd say the overall list of tangible accomplishments, perhaps not a very long one. Uh, but, you know, this is a guy that's also a very respected offensive mind, was certainly a transformational figure as the Alabama offensive coordinator from 2014 through 2016. As a coach yourself, what do you think of the coach on the other sideline on Saturday? What do you think of Lane Kiffin? Uh, I actually like Lane Kiffin. Uh, I don't know him personally, but um, I just like his corkiness. I, I, I like his attitude. I like his confidence. Uh, I think it's one of those things where you love him if he's on your team, but you hate him if he's uh, your opponent. Um, but one thing that I do know that um, he is a offensive genius. I think uh, Alabama turned their program around, and he's one of the reasons why. I think Ole Miss is, uh, became this type of offense because of him. Um, I personally believe that he is the one and the only one in my mind. I don't think it's Dabo anymore. I think it's Lane Kiffin's the one who kind of does Nick Saban ever retires. I, I said this before. I think it's Nick is, uh, uh, Lane is the guy that would be the, should be the one there because I think he can stand up to the pressure of of taking it over after after Nick Saban because he's just a, a fun-loving, quirky, mad scientist-type guy that wouldn't care what others think about him. So uh, I, I like him as a coach. I like him as an offensive coordinator. Uh, I think that's um, some of his best traits as, as running offenses. Um, and I think I sent a player there, Caden Lee, okay. uh, from uh, Kennesaw Mountain. Yeah. He's there now. He, he loves it. So, uh, like I said, I, I don't know him personally, but just from watching my TV, he's a he's a guy that you you can love to hate. And then when you look at Georgia on the field here, you know, last Saturday, I think there was the hope among some fans that'd be the big breakout win where Georgia against a ranked opponent goes out there and dominates perhaps setting up the situation for a good portion of the remainder of the season to maybe be easy. And I, I think last Saturday against what I think is a very good Missouri team with you know certainly a highly ranked Ole Miss team coming in on this particular weekend 
I think you're kind of reminded that, you know, maybe this year for Georgia and for really anybody else, it's just not going to be easy that there are a couple of SEC teams still alive for the playoff. You know, maybe as many as three Big Ten teams still alive for the playoff. Every other Power Five league has at least one representative that could make a push for the playoff. And that that Georgia, who's maybe gotten a little bit used to just sort of, you know, cakewalking its way through these regular seasons, certainly last year was an example of that. Then this stretch that Georgia's in right now, maybe you just can't count on it necessarily being too easy, but to Georgia's credit, it's still winning games and it won last week against Missouri, at least somewhat comfortably. What do you make of where Georgia is right now, Terrence? I've always said throughout this year that we're we're not elite. I don't think there's any elite football teams in college football right now, but we're very good. I just think we kind of take for granted of the players that we lost. Um, And we just think because we're on a winning streak and we have won two back-to-back national championships, well, those guys that kind of started this winning streak is playing in the NFL, and we got some really good players but we just don't have that that those dominant Jordan Davis and or uh, Jalen Carter, uh, Nolan Smith. We don't have those dominant players, but we have very good players. And I just just think we've kind of you know all got a little spoil of we just supposed to go out and dominate good teams. But Missouri was a good team, and let's not you know rip, you know we like to lose to this team last year. I think we played well. I, I think the, the we they ran the ball on us a little bit uh, better than I would. Have would like to, uh, but you got to give some credit to them. And I've always said, you know, this is a lesson that we all can take. Those guys are on scholarship as well. You know, Georgia's not the only team with scholarship players. And uh, they have good players. I thought we went out and played well. Uh, I never was – the game to me was never in doubt. Um, but we are a resilient bunch that once we get down, there's no panic. And I think people need to look at it that way because we've been down. So – would have been the SEC championship game or the college playoff where we're down. This team has been down before, and they face adversity, um, so they know how to handle adversity. Terrence, that's all really well said. Milton Eagles, of course, on Friday begin their run, the state playoffs against Duluth there on the other side. Obviously, this is a team capable of making it all the way to the end, the 7A classification. So we wish you uh, best luck there on that. And uh, when it comes to the personal coaching, you're providing guys like Caden Lee, as you said, and also the next generation of high school receivers on their way to college. How can people get in touch with the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy there as well? Yeah, with with the high school uh, seasons winding down, five more games guaranteed for the lucky teams to yeah. make it to the state playoffs. And the bubble work starts. It's, it's starting to craft and, and get better at your position so if you could find me on all social media platforms at terrence that was wide receiver academy if you're looking to get that bubble work that's been proven and documented to help i like it terrence i love it thanks for being here today always appreciate your insight we'll look forward to talking to you soon thank you let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through terrence brought up something i think it's kind of interesting there about like goals and things like that of you know, last year, Kirby, do you remember that moment on SportsCenter when I think it was Scott Van Pelt who was like, oh, you know, got a chance to win back-to-back national champions. And Kirby kind of pushed back on that because that's the kind of thing that coaches like to push back on. But what he actually allowed during that discussion was, you know, our team's actually set a goal not to win the national championship again, basically saying repeating what the 2021 team had done but creating their own personal legacy by winning the SEC championship, which, as you know, the 2021 team was not able to do. And so I think that kind of speaks to the interesting nature of this year of, okay, well, in 2022, they could have carved out their own legacy by saying, we can be different than 2021 because they didn't win the SEC. We did. We can go 15-0. and They couldn't. You know, obviously for this team here this year, it's sort of hard to say – what can you do that the 2022 team didn't do? Because they did win all 15. They did win the SEC. They did win the national championship. It's sort of hard to kind of carve out your own legacy. That's why we've kind of made the push for like go for three and 23 so much. And I mean, I really do think that appreciating what your place in history can be is certainly really valuable. And, you know, it's not you know i i I don't think anyway putting the cart before the horse to think too much about that because every moment could matter towards that and any kind of blemish any kind of loss kind of puts all of that in jeopardy and by by winning this year if george is able to do it 
you know, not only does it give you kind of bragging rights against, you know, your pra- you know, previous two Georgia teams, even if you were on those Georgia teams, you know, it kind of gives you a little bit of a separate legacy there. But you can make a very strong case. It gives you bragging rights against almost any run for any college football team of all time. As Mike Griffith talked about yesterday, you know, Georgia's already about to surpass the second longest streak of being the number one team in the Associated Press poll, assuming they win again on Saturday. And you're really getting into very rarefied air and comparing all of this. I don't know how much tangibly that's talked about. I, I don't know. I mean, perhaps that's not the right motivational ploy to use. But when you think about the sort of separate status that Georgia can establish for itself, the kind of unique category can put itself in if it wins a third straight national championship. Maybe that's the maybe that's the motivation Georgia has this year that you know last year's team sort of gravitated to. Hey, we can be perfect throughout the regular season, win the SEC, something that Georgia did not do in 2021. Maybe it's that chase of go for three and 23 that matters for this team here this year. An interesting thought that Terrence kind of plants into my mind as he talks about the motivation there. Now, as we transition to going around the SEC, uh, courtesy of Cruiser on the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, I'll talk about my motivation, which is to get you on board our Dog Nation cruise coming up in April. You know, it's going to be an amazing experience, bigger and better than it's ever been before, because for the very first time, the uh, Dog Nation cruise is going to be sailing one of those Oasis-class ships. This is a really exciting thing that Royal Caribbean is introducing here in 2024. The shorter the three, the four-night sailings, our Dog Nation cruise being a four-night sailing on one of the largest cruise ships at sea, the uh, allure of the seas. And the kind of thing that because of how cool it is, all the different things it offers, it creates an opportunity for us to enjoy some additional specially themed Dog Nation events that are bigger and better than anything we've ever done in the past there as well. It's going to be a wonderful experience. Hundreds of you have already signed up to be on board, and you've got time to do this there as well. In fact, it's really time to be thinking a lot about this. Perhaps you asked for this for like a Christmas gift or something like that, but it's time to start really making those official plans to be on board with us for that Dog Nation cruise. And of course, the travel agent specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean to help with all of our Dog Nation cruise needs, it's our buddy Jessica Slater. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Or email her, jslater at dreamvacations.com. She will tell you everything you need to know about the Dog Nation cruise. In fact, she's even put a website together for the cruise, royaldogs.com. Of course, dog spelled D-A-W-G-S, royaldogs.com for more on that. All right, we've got Jake Fromm here coming up in a moment. Let me go cruise around the SEC with a couple of uh, special uh, stories prior to getting there. And I want to think about this here for a moment. So when we did the Phil Still thing a little earlier about the Vegas power ratings, you saw a little bit of a gap, perhaps a field goal or slightly better in favoring Georgia over Alabama. But I don't quite know that's where public perception currently is the moment. There's always a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction to build somebody up after a big win. Alabama got a relatively big win against LSU this past weekend, but this was also an LSU team that's now lost three times. So there's a little bit of an attempt, I think, right now to kind of figure out what exactly Alabama is. And here's where the next few weeks are going to get kind of interesting. You know, Georgia and Alabama share four common opponents, and we're about to start seeing the first comparisons of how Georgia plays against a team that Alabama either will play or has also played. For Georgia, the first chance that's on Saturday against Ole Miss. We saw Alabama get a couple of touchdown win against Ole Miss in a home game a few weeks ago. Georgia gets its shot on Saturday. Now, ultimately, the comparative score doesn't really matter here, but if you're looking to establish some sort of perception comparatively Georgia and Alabama and how much of a threat Alabama could be to Georgia in the SEC championship how easily or not Georgia beats Ole Miss will tell you a little something about that same thing for Alabama getting ready to play Kentucky now Alabama's on the road so it's not a perfect comparison but the experts right now expect Alabama's win against Kentucky to be lower and more narrow than Georgia's easy win against Kentucky was a few weeks ago once again that's comparative opportunity then it'll be you know Alabama against Auburn Georgia against Tennessee we saw for the most part Alabama storm back to relatively easily handle Tennessee that was a home game for Bama this will be a road game for Georgia so once again not really a perfect comparison but I think one of the things the next few weeks are going to tell us is how significant is the clash going to be with Georgia and Alabama and as Alabama kind of resurrected itself as a legitimate threat for the college football playoff race based on what they've done here in recent weeks the next few weeks will tell us something about that and speaking of that I'll also say this you know 
It is interesting to think what could happen if Tennessee beats Missouri on the road on Saturday, a game they're somewhat expected to at least be very competitive and if not outright win. Uh, They're about a one-point favorite on the road on Saturday, some of that due to the fact that Luther Burden is at the very least dealing with uncertain status, and he may not play at all. That's kind of where you perhaps get a little bit of a nod in the direction of Tennessee here in this spot. But if Tennessee wins with the assumption that Ole Miss might lose to Georgia – that uh you know uh, uh, Penn State might lose to Michigan you know there's room in the top 10 next week for uh, Tennessee perhaps and that could set up another very big showdown between Georgia and Tennessee next week now if the Vols don't have any kind of like SEC East hopes to play for what does that do to the atmosphere in the stadium my guess is it's probably still pretty intense because frankly beating Georgia might be in a weird way more valuable to them than actually playing in the SEC championship in a roundabout way that that getting that honor and that that distinction of ending a Georgia winning streak at that point in time, which would have extended 27 games, that might be a bigger single accomplishment for them than actually playing in Atlanta in the SEC championship in sort of a roundabout way. There's still a chance that Georgia-Tennessee has a very big vibe next Saturday, even if there's no tangible stakes for the game. And of course, we've got Dog Nation invasion of the Tennessee River next week as well, too, which is going to be a lot of fun. And then I guess I'll just sort of squeeze this in really quick. I think that Georgia Tech is a more interesting game than probably we expected it to be. This is a team that's playing very well on offense right now. Buster Faulkner, to his credit, has done a good job of kind of getting something out of the Yellow Jackets. Uh, you know, Haynes King, I believe, is having a very good year. I think there are a lot of SEC teams that probably wish Haynes King was their starting quarterback. In fact, I believe King's old school, Texas A&M, probably wishes he was their starting quarterback here right now. I don't think Georgia Tech is good enough to really seriously challenge UGA. But this is the best tech team Georgia's played in how many years? A good number of years, I would say. So that's at least worth considering a little bit there, too. And then finally, I'll give you this. We talked yesterday about the Michigan situation and, you know, the sign ceiling stuff and sort of the next phase and all that. It seems pretty likely that we're going to hear something from the Big Ten, I believe, on this this week. And if it's a serious announcement from the Big Ten, it sounds like it'll be a suspension of Harbaugh individually and not some sort of collective punishment for the team. And obviously, Michigan's going to try to fight back legally on this and trying to read what you can. It's not obvious what kind of recourse they'll have in terms of sort of a quick, uh, I guess, response, like some sort of injunction or something like that to use sort of legal language here. Um, it's also not obvious the Big Ten really feels like it's got the credibility to make this move against Harbaugh and Michigan, but it does seem like we're bubbling up towards something with the Big Ten perhaps ready to make some sort of announcement here. Michigan's obviously pushing for this to be handled at the NCAA level and not the Big Ten level, but uh, it appears there might be something coming on this. So keep your eye on that. Uh, we'll watch that here over the course of the next couple of days to see if that is indeed co- going to come out. And then tomorrow in this space, we'll give you big thoughts and all the big games around college football, Michigan against Penn State, Missouri against Tennessee, final thoughts, official predictions. All of that will come on tomorrow's show. And for now, we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And we'll get ready for always a fun conversation each week around this time. Usually it's Wednesday. Today it's here on Thursday with the former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take. And here on Dog Nation Daily, time now for a Kroger Fresh Take. We'll welcome in the former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm to our program here today. Jake, we always appreciate having you on the show. Always fun to catch up with you, and we hope you are doing well again today. Brandon, always good to be here. Thank you for having me. So I got to ask you this. You know, it seems like such a long time ago now, and I guess in a roundabout way it sort of is, but at one point in time, you were an Alabama football commit, and that was the period of time when I guess. Uh, Lane Kiffin was also Alabama offensive coordinator, the opponent, obviously, for Saturday. How well did you know Coach Kiffin back then, and what was your relationship like with Lane? Yeah, I mean, that was definitely many, many moons ago, uh, Brandon. But uh, to take you all the way back in time, um, yes, I was. Uh, Coach Kiffin was the offensive coordinator there at the time. Uh, Got to know him a little bit. I wouldn't say extremely well, um, but, you know, we definitely had – uh, a lot of conversations and, uh, you know, tried to build a, a good relationship there. Um, you know, Coach Kiffin, he's a, he's a, uh, he's a different guy, man. He, uh, he just kind of beats to the sound of his own drum. He's going to do kind of what he does. And, um, you know, he's got his, his own philosophy on offense and, and has had a lot of success with it. 
you know, coaching is kind of a fraternity and, you know, different guys have worked together over the years, including Kirby Smart, obviously working at Alabama back during that same tenure there as well. And, you know, sometimes there's going to be one of these moments in which Kirby's coaching against a coach that he knows pretty well and perhaps maybe even has a little bit of a friendly relationship with. And we've talked this week about, I think some fans sort of wish it was just like all enemies all the time, right? It's like the guy on the other side, that's your enemy and you're ready to go out there and do whatever you're going to do to take him down. But you know this, you have friends that you've played against, your brother played for a rival program, that there's going to be a little bit of a cross-pollination that sort of takes place from time to time. You know, did you guys ever notice a different kind of intensity of the week perhaps when Kirby was going up against a coach and that maybe you knew he sort of hated or at least you sort of suspected he might hate compared to one of these weeks in which he might be coaching against a guy that he's been friends with for a long time or used to coach with could you ever notice any kind of difference about a situation like that yeah I mean Kirby's definitely one of the most competitive human beings that I know uh and so he obviously yes he wants to beat you know quote-unquote maybe enemy coaches but even more so, he wants to beat his buddies because he, he wants those bragging rights whenever they get together, whenever they hang out, whenever they see each other next. Uh, I promise uh, nobody wants it more than him, especially in these type of situations. So, um, you know, I always noticed it, especially more uh, on Florida Week. Um, and then I, I think even more uh, with, with this one, too, as well, just with, with uh, their time there at Alabama. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you could see it probably being, you know, a little personal, but he'll, he'll never let it seep uh, into the players, um, so to speak, but uh, he, he definitely wants it for sure. A lot uh, has been made this week leading the game against Ole Miss. You know, it's the final home game of the year. It's a chance for a raucous atmosphere. Some suggestion that maybe last week it wasn't quite as intense as it could have been. You know, as a player yourself, how much did you guys feed off of that? You obviously played in the Notre Dame game in 2019, but also a lot of big games in Athens over the years. How much do you feed off the really loud crowd, and how much would you say that actually has the the, the potential to propel Georgia to a better performance? I think it's huge. Uh, you mentioned it, the Notre Dame game. Um, just you know, as us as offensive players on the sideline watching the defense go to work. Um, and seeing how much the crowd was an influence on on them, on Notre Dame on offense, not being able to operate correctly. That gave us a little bit of juice. Obviously, it gave us better field position because the defense was able to get more stops, uh, put Notre Dame farther and farther behind the chains. Um, I mean, a- any marginal area that, that you can get better in and having that chaotic environment uh, and it being a, a very loud um man place to play man that helps so much um and it just it cannot be taken for granted um because at the end of the day i mean we're everybody's human and especially these these young uh young men who are playing i mean 18 to 22 years old um it 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 can can get a little scary at times Obviously, for a lot of these Georgia players, it'll be their final home game on Saturday for seniors. Now, senior day is a little different than it used to be because you've got some guys doing senior day two years in a row just because of COVID, some of the weird stuff that exists there. I'm trying to remember, was your last home game, was it UMass or was it Texas A&M? I honestly can't remember. But I guess, did you have a sense that might be your last home game? Obviously, you left after your junior season to move on to the NFL. And what kind of emotions did you feel about what might have been your last home game and just the idea of no longer doing something that had really become such a big part of your life by that point in time? Yeah, um, it was the Texas A&M game. Uh, always great to, to round out and finish uh, with, a, with a win against an SEC opponent. Um, that was nice. I, you know, I've never felt a little bittersweet about it because I just wish I you know, would have played a little bit better. Um, but, you know, that can always be the case. Um, but uh, man, it was it was. Uh, I definitely stayed a little later just in case. You know, I, I didn't know there uh, uh, for a hundred percent. You know, sure yet at the time. Um, but I, I hung back a little bit and tried to enjoy it because um, you just you never know. Man, this this game it comes and goes, and um, you just never know when your last opportunity. Um, kind of goes away how about for the other players that you watched over the course of your lifetime and gosh over the course of your time at georgia some very special seniors went out what was it like to watch them go through the senior day stuff because listen i'm very nostalgic i'm very sentimental i mean i would imagine if i was a player certainly a player parent i'd be just boohooing in tears probably and as, as a coach i'm sure i'd probably feel the same way too but what was it like for you to watch these other players kind of go through that moment and how perhaps special that would have been for them to me, that always inspired me to to be a, to be my best, to play my best, because I wanted to 
make it the most enjoyable experience for those guys, right? Um, you know, whether it was a, a Nick or a Sony type guy who you knew was going to play, um, or you know somebody else maybe farther down the depth chart, uh, then that was kind of the the pressure to go up big, go up early, um, so these guys could get in the game, play, uh, and, and enjoy uh, their experience to the fullest. So. Um, for me, man, I always wanted to play the very best I possibly could, um, just for the betterment of their experience, and um, so they could they could finish out on top. How about the Missouri game overall, Jake? What was your impression of that? You know, a good team. Missouri certainly played well. Georgia earns the win, uh, first win, I guess, over I want to say at least the team currently ranked in the top twenty-five here right now. You know, for Missouri, probably a signature win for Georgia here this season. What did you make of the overall performance for Georgia against Missouri? I thought it was a, a good football team, and I thought it was a good, gritty win. Um, nothing about it was easy. Uh, they earned it. Um, Missouri's a good football team. Um, they got some dudes in the trenches on the offense and defensive line, um, and they, they played physical football. Uh, they ran the ball well. Uh, their quarterback you know, played pretty well, ha- had some turnovers there that, that, um, that obviously he would want back, but they got skill position players. Um, and I, I thought it was a good tester. Um, you know, Georgia had a, a little bit of a uh, 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 in a favorable position playing at home, um, but I, I mean, I, I thought it was a good a good game. Thought Carson played well, uh, distributed the ball well. Um, always good to, to see our run game get going, and um, I, I think they they capitalized when they needed to, to capitalize and, and gain some momentum. I think the thing that people can sometimes misconstrue is the idea that a great team, which this Georgia team may prove to be you know, always makes it look easy on every single Saturday. Even the last two national championship seasons, that wasn't always the case. Other recent national champions in the SEC also had their moments in which, you know, sometimes you're in a fight, and when you're in a fight, you're just glad to emerge victorious if you're able to do that. And so, you know, the idea that it's, air quotes here, only a single-digit margin of victory, not the 15-plus points that I guess the experts were expecting Georgia to win by – Jake, sometimes in college football, that's just what it is, and when that's the case, then you take the win and you move on, don't you? Man, you got to take it, move on, uh, enjoy it for a quick time. Um, it's it's hard. It's hard to win um, at, at, at any level, uh, especially at the college football level, especially at the NFL level. Um, got to enjoy the wins. Um, just can't can't take winning for granted, uh, especially in the position that they're in, because uh, it is tough to do week in and week out. It's our Kroger Fresh Take with Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily here today. And obviously, Kroger, as we move towards this holiday time of year, got some really fun stuff going on, including those fall festive muffins being made this month as a part of Kroger Chef Junior. You've heard us talk about this before. It's a guided kids' cooking experience. It's just $7 per child. And this month, you can make uh, that wonderful muffin as a uh, way to kind of roll into the holiday season here. So go to KrogerChefJunior.com. That's the word Junior spelled out, J-U-N-I-O-R. KrogerChefJunior.com to find out about that and all the great array of special you know gifts you also get in addition to the chance to be a part of this guided kids cooking experience it's krogerchefjr.com for more on that today one of the positive pieces of news this week jake as you move towards the old miss game on saturday is the possibility that brock bowers could be nearing a return it seems like he's been spotted doing some stuff during practice there's been you know some chatter about you know perhaps even being dressed out on saturday if not maybe even more than that um georgia fans take this as good news and it's obviously another reminder of just what a special guy this is because i mean he could have packed it up he's won two national championships his uh, nfl draft status is either very secure or important enough that perhaps you would just sort of think about that but apparently brock the insatiable competitor wants a little bit more of that competition here at the college level i'll tell you this jake i know georgia fans view that as a really good thing about getting a chance to at some point in time this year whether it's this saturday or sometime in the future seeing number 19 again you'll definitely take that as good news if you're a uga fan Oh, that's exceptional news. Uh, one, just I mean, just for his body to be able to go through a surgery and recover that fast, and then two for for his character and his nature of just uh, wanting to to grind it out uh, to come back and and be a true competitor and, and help his team win and and uh, help try to put the team over the hump. So, man, this is just awesome to see. Um, man, Brock Bowers. I mean, what what else can you say? Uh, it's going to be fun to watch him. Uh, out there on the football field again because I think we're going to see him 
very, very soon. Jake, always great to have you here as part of a Kroger Fresh Take. We certainly appreciate that. Uh, best of luck to you out there up in D.C. as you continue to go through uh, your time in the NFL this season. We uh, continue to wish you well on all of that, and we'll look forward to having you here as part of a Kroger Fresh Take again on Dog Nation Daily very soon there as well. Yes, sir, Brandon. Thank you. All right, good stuff there uh, from Jake Fromm as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take here on uh, Dog Nation Daily. Always fun to have the former Georgia quarterback on the uh, show here. And let me uh, give a shout-out to our friends at Mr. Reuter here right now because uh, when it comes to taking care of you for uh, some things you might need, our friends at Mr. Reuter got you covered on all that, including home uh, whole home water uh, filtration, drain cleaning repair, water heaters, and so much more. Mr. Reuter Plumbing, dedicated to addressing your plumbing needs as quickly as possible. Residential, commercial, everything else in between. They're all over all of that. Uh, you can count on Mr. Reuter for upfront pricing, flexible service options, and exceptional customer service. Plus, it's just a $29 dispatch fee. So you can find out more online about that at MrRuterGeorgia.com. That's MrRuterGeorgia.com to find your local Mr. Reuter right there in your area. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to save the uh, golden shoes and we'll run some of those tomorrow so people can get their full credit there on that. We had some good ones here for today. We'll do kind of a big uh, dump there on that on Friday and uh, uh, not quite so sure what happened there with all of that. But I will give you a Gator Hater Updater to wrap up now normally this is where i sort of make fun of florida and kind of uh, drag them a little bit but uh given the fact that we're also currently taking an l right now making fun of florida for taking a whole bunch of l's perhaps not the wisest course of action but i will instead just give you factual information about a thousand ninety seven days now, that's how long it's been since the lousy seeking gators have beaten george and that's a number that we enjoy the idea of continuing to climb here in both the days weeks months and perhaps even years ahead great way to think about that and a good way to close things out today it's dog nation daily presented by meriwether and tharp